yeah, greetings in Jesus' name this morning. So uh, <clears throat> let those words sink into our heart, and I think they can move us and make a difference in our life. The wonderful words of Jesus that we can hear him tell each and every one of us, I do not condemn thee either, neither do I condemn thee, and then go and sin no more. Be strengthened and be encouraged by that. <clears throat> you know, we don't know, the Bible also doesn't tell us about the man you could say that she was with, but it also doesn't give us any more insight on that lady, you know, or on that woman, what happened to her life afterwards. But if she followed through with, with what Jesus told her, you know, um, her life was spared and she was, um, she was showed mercy um, to that extent, you know. Have you been shown mercy to that extent? What would it do to your life? You know, we experience mercy and grace and strength, and yet <clears throat> we're not we're not standing in front of a firing squad or condemned to death or to be stoned to death in this life either to even know what what mercy would really what what mercy would really feel like to us under those circumstances. <clears throat> so yeah, it's been a blessing to be here already this morning, <clears throat> and uh, today I guess I'd like to share a little bit on. <clears throat> I'm going to talk a little about sports, I guess. Maybe that's not a subject that we have in the Bible, but um, <clears throat> I want to call the, the, the Bible a, um, a well, in, in all sports, I guess, <clears throat> and Hadassah can maybe help me out on this one a little bit. I was thinking of her when I was uh, reading through some of this. <clears throat> you know, there's a playbook, right? We have a, we have a, we have a playbook. We have, um, we have a, uh, in all sports, it doesn't matter what we're in. Um, there are positions and um, places to, uh, there's positions to be held, right? Um, you know, you have a quarterback, you have uh, the offensive line, and I don't know all the names and positions, okay? So I'm not that sport literate at all. Um, basketball, you know, you have point guards and you have forwards and you have whatever. Some handle the ball more than others. And uh, the playbook puts those people in positions and places. And that's what the coach tries to do. The coach will plan a, will plan a, uh, have a game plan and can change up, you could say, through the game according to the opponents that they're against or with that uh, will put these, will, will establish a place, you know. You move here, pass here, go here, go here, you know. And if everybody executes that to where it is, they'll score a point. Or that's the, that's the plan. Right, Adasa? That's how it's supposed to work. That's what your coach tells you. I don't know your coach, but I just know that when I was in school um, and we started, or when I was in school, but when I was teaching school, I tried to coach my students a little, the little that I knew about basketball and wasn't professional at all by long ways, but I would try to give them a game plan if they was going up against another school. And it worked uh, because if you don't have a game plan, if you don't have a playbook, then it ends up being having confusion, um, a lot of other chaos, or some people will just uh, be ball hogs and think they can do it all their own and not team players, and all these things happen. So, you know, in God's playbook, there's also a, a plan and position and talents and abilities and things that we have. And so... Um, <clears throat> Let's see if we can discover um, our position in God and where 
he has placed us and what he wants, how he wants us to execute, you could say, and that we may fight the good fight of faith, lay hold of eternal life, and there's a crown waiting for us. There is a, there is a goal. There is a, there is a winning side, and there is a reward. Um, he tells us all these things, too. So, you know, the goal of, of all teams are to win. And so the goal of the Christian is also. Um, Paul, you know, said that, uh, let's see, Paul said here someplace that, uh, that um, Paul says that he fights, not that he fights in vain, that he continues to fight, but he, he fights that he may finish the race. He fights that so he may finish the race. So that, that is a goal for, um, that is a, you know, something for us to think about. <clears throat> so in Christ, we've been given positions, ministries, gifts, talents, and these make up our calling in God. Um, we have a destiny. We have a, there's, there's an, there is a, there's a destiny out there to fulfill. <clears throat> um, and, and he expects us, you know, when you're, when you're a team player, and your coach is, has drawn you a game plan out, um, the coach is expecting you to be there in that position. He wants you to be in that position. He wants you to handle the ball. He wants you to pass it off to who he's, he's told you to. Sure, all these things don't all happen exactly because um, even in this plan that we're talking about here, there, we have an enemy that likes to mess things up and to trip us up and make us stumble, make us fall, uh, make us you know, turn the ball over, so to speak. But he wants us to be in that position, so our coach does, to handle the ball. So therefore, God also wants us to be in, to be able to fulfill the calling that we have, um, our position in life, um, our gifts and our talents, that we are successful, that we can make, that we can score a home run, a touchdown, or whatever it may be, two points, three points. Um, <clears throat> So, <clears throat> I want to share just a, a little bit out of, uh, to start with here, um, two team players, so to speak, and we find this with, uh, with Jonathan and his uh, armor barrier, um, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 14, um, you can turn there if you want to, I'm going to read a few verses out of 13 here, to just give you a little bit of an idea of what was taking place here, Israel was being defeated, um, and uh, the Philistines had just, you know, basically wiped them out. And they were hiding. There was only 600 men, I think, left. And these, even of these 600, there were, some of them were so scared that they were hiding in the caves. They were hiding in, in places that, so the Philistines could not find them. And uh, there was fear. You know, there was huge fear. Um, <clears throat> One thing, one thing that they did, that the Philistines did here, that I read in, in 1 Samuel 13, chapter, verse 19, it says here, that there was no smith found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines had said, lest the Hebrews make them swords or spears. They took away the ability for them to even have a sword and a spear, to, for them to make more ammunition. You know, in, in wartime, even in this country, in this, this land, during several of the wars, factories that, that had produced um, other products, let's say just like a car factory or whatever, when it was in wartime, turned to produce an ammunition, you know, 
And if they can take that away from them, look how helpless you, you become in a heartbeat. So they had taken away their ability. They had taken away the Smiths. Um, they had killed them or taken away from them, so they couldn't. Um, in verse 20 then, But all the Israelites went down to the Philistines to sharpen every man his share and his coulter and his axe and his mattocks. Yet they had, yet they had a file for the mattocks and for the coulters and for the forks and for the axes and to sharpen the goads. And so it came to pass in the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people that were with Saul and Jonathan. But with Saul and with Jonathan, his son, was there found. They had two. That tells me, that says that they had two. Saul would have had a sword and Jonathan would have had a sword as their weapon of battle at that day. Um, and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. I'm saying that right, Mike Mash. <clears throat> then in chapter 14, And now it came to pass upon the day that Jonathan and the son of Saul said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side, but he told not his father. And Saul tarried in the uttermost part of Gibba under the pomegranate tree, which is at Miragon, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. I'm going to skip a couple verses there. <clears throat> and go to verse 6. <clears throat> it just gives positions and places and who were there on, on that. And then, and then it says here in verse 6, And Jonathan said to the young man, he was going to do this without letting his father know about this, this was an armor bearer. An armor bearer was he carried his weaponry with him into battle. And he went to protect him. He would, an armor bearer would give his life for the person that he was bearing the armor for. And Jonathan said to the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over unto the garrison of these uncircumcised, that it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. He didn't know if this was going to work, but he had faith in the, in the fact that he knows that numbers made no difference to God. It didn't matter how many they were or how outnumbered they were. It made no difference. <clears throat> Restrain the Lord, be saved by many or by few. And his armor bearer said unto him, this is, this is also, um, this next thing here is very good. Like, I think, you know, we all have the position of being someone else's armor bearer also. Fight for them. Be there for them. Stand for them. Be a rock for them. And this is what his armor bearer said. It's like, oh, don't go, don't go. He didn't cause doubts and fears and unbelief in Jonathan. No, he said, do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. I will go with thee. It doesn't matter. He was putting his life on the line there. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. That word discover a little bit in this, you know, in this version is, is you know, what does he actually mean? I'm going, to I'm going to let them see us. They're going to be able to see, you know, they're going to discover. They're going to know that we're here. If they say unto us, so here's, here's, the, here's the kind of the fleece, you could say. If they say unto us, tarry until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, come up, come up unto us, then we will go up, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, and this shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines, 
And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they have hid themselves. <clears throat> and the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will shew you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up upon his hands and upon his feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And, and, and that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within, as it were, a half acre of land which the yoke of oxen might plow. I'm not going to read the rest of the story. We kind of know what happened. They, they, it, that was, they, they, fear came upon the Philistines. They turned and they actually killed each other. And they, they, they wiped each other out. The 600-some men come out of the hole, their holes, and they helped them fight. They took, they took possession of, of the Philistines' goods. Um, but <clears throat> the point here, I guess, is a little bit, he, um, in this, this position that Jonathan got himself in, he had to, my understanding from, the, from reading more, that this was not an easy access to get to where the Philistines were, to get to the clan. There was a rock on each side, supposedly a cliff or whatever, and they had to climb their way up in between there to get in there to get to that point to even look over the edge to see where the Philistines were camped when they exposed themselves to them you know and then when when that all happened um two guys slew 20 you know that was outnumbered 10 to 1 right you know and that's the, sometimes how you know you could say we get outnumbered too we also have an enemy sometimes maybe our numbers are 10 to 1 maybe they're worse than that you know but remember that God doesn't fight with many or with few. It doesn't matter. Um, but so he got himself into position and God used that position and he won a victory. And that's kind of, that's, that's, that is a key in, in, all, in all playbooks, so to speak, in all sports. Get yourself in position to make the shot. Get yourself in position to catch the ball. You know. We're getting, we're getting into position. I'm just using this as a, as a parallel, I guess, um, <clears throat> somewhat. Okay, so um, first, I guess, you know, for us, our position in God is what? What's your position in God? So 2 Peter 1, 3 to 4, I think gives us an insight into this. Um, we have been given and have access to the mind of Christ. That's putting us in position for God to use. So this verse says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue, by which having been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Just like Jonathan knew that the Lord does not fight with few or many and trusted that, he was given a position of winning the battle for, his, uh, for God <clears throat> against, these, against these Philistines. You know, just like an athlete knows, needs to know, you know, he knows his, somewhat his capabilities, you could say, that he's capable of, Making a great play, we, we must also be capable of knowing what Christ can do through us if we take this to heart. <clears throat> you know, 
Jonathan stepped up. He just stepped out in faith, so to speak. You know, he trusted. He trusted God. Um, he knew what God was capable of doing through fewer many, and this helped him to find his position and to go up there to uh, accomplish what God wanted to have accomplished against the Philistines. We're also told in scriptures, uh, Romans 8, 37, that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. He tells us that um, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. That's Philippians 4, 13. Um, he le- 2 Corinthians 2, 14, that he leads us in the, in the way of triumph. Um, so the position that we have in Christ in which we can operate out of and we can function um, is based on us remembering that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to glory by virtue. The great and exceeding and the precious promises that we can be partakers of his divine nature, knowing the mind of Christ, having escaped the corruptions in the world through lust. So if you're in that position, is anything impossible? Is there a, is there a, can, can, can we lose if we maintain that relationship and that position? Can we, uh, can we persevere and we will win? <clears throat> what can we do? You know, what can we do for if God has us in that place and we follow his playbook and execute it? <clears throat> so the other thing that, you know, to, that we need to know and, and get ourselves in position in, in a lot or knowing, you know, knowing what, what is, God's, what, what is God's purpose for creating man? What did he, he create you for? What did he create the world for? What did he bring all these things into existence for? You know, why didn't he just leave it two-thirds water and one-third ground and let it all mixed up before he said separation, before he made light, before he, you know, separated the light from darkness? <clears throat> um, what's his plan? You know, in any coach's any coach, you know, his plan is to figure out a play that's going to allow him help his his players and his school to win. He's going to figure out a plan. So God has a plan here also for you to win. He has a playbook. We have the Word of God. So one thing he said, he told he told us in Matthew 16, verse 18, he said he he's going to build the church in which the gates of hell should not prevail against it, and that his authority. Um, would be established, and it would rule. <clears throat> he also said that the earth shall be filled. Uh, this is Ephesians 1, 17. The earth shall be filled with his glory through his body. What is the exceeding greatness of his power t- toward us who believe? His body is, again, that church that he wants to establish, the body of believers. He tells us that a lot. Um, in different. Here's another in, in 2 Corinthians 3. 17 in Ephesians 4.13, that Christ would be manifested through his body as a church comes into the fullness of the stature of Jesus Christ. We are all being changed and we're being conformed into his image. <clears throat> Matthew 24.14, he told us that the gospel should be preached to all nations as a witness. 1 Timothy 3.15, that his truth shall be established in the church, which is the pillar and the ground of truth. Um, <clears throat> You know, the, the thing that is, that is missing today is like when Pilate asked that question of Jesus a long time ago, what is truth? That could be the question, the question of our day to day. What is truth? Truth has been so distorted in many, many ways that uh, 
people grow up and they really don't have a foundation of what truth is. <clears throat> uh, Matthew 6, verse 10 says, His kingdom and will shall be established on earth as it is in heaven. You know, he says, he says that he wants his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, those are things that God has a purpose for each and every one of us for. Um, in Ephesians 1, 17 to 19, um, let, let this fill our hearts. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you this, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the riches of, his, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? <clears throat> so God's desire for us, you could say, or is also that we would, that our eyes of understanding would be opened. You know, we, we, that parable this morning, you know, opens our eyes to how great is God's mercy? How, how beautiful is it? How wonderful? How great is it? Is it just a little bit, or is it, can we, we cannot fathom it, how great his mercy is. We see that for, you know, for that lady in that parable, but it's also for each and every one of us. Um, that I, the eyes of our understanding would be opened so that we can see the hope. We can see our position. We can see our calling. Um, <clears throat> everything about that we hope for and that we have is, you know, is related to um, his purpose for us to win, to Continue until a blessed end. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's like, um, use example of a football player, you know. He, I don't know much about football, I guess. I never played football, and I don't know, I know little, a little about basketball, and a little about baseball, a little about a few of the rules, but less about, less about football. So if I was going to play football, I would have to get and learn the ins and outs of the game. I would have to know what all the positions would be, know the game plan, and I'd have to follow through, you know, when they practice, you know, he tells you to run this way, go to the right, go to the left, block, tackle, whatever, um, <clears throat> so that we would be in position to win a game. Um, we must spend time doing that. So then also likewise on, the, on God's uh, side of things, um, I don't think there's anyone here that says that I spend too much time reading God's word. You know, we're, we all lack. We all know that we do, and yet... We all know that he has and holds the words of life. He has, he has every play, he has every tackle, every position, every, you know, is executed within his word. Um, he holds the words of life. <clears throat> you know, so in, uh, in Daniel 11, verse 32, we have a verse. It says that the people who know their God, the people who know their God, shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Um, so when David took on Goliath, <clears throat> how did he view Goliath? What was his perspective of Goliath when he took on Goliath, when he went there? We know, we know what, what his, the rest of the army was doing. They was in fear and in trembling. And yet he looked at Goliath and he took on Goliath through the eyes or through the perspective of how God viewed him. Why should, you know, he said, why is this one Philistine standing here defying the armies of the living God? 
That's the question he put to them. And that's how he viewed them. That God would be able to take this giant down. Because he cannot defy the armies of the living God. David also put himself in, in position there. You know, as he, as he went and went there, he, he uh, went up in front of Goliath and he had gathered his stones. He had his slingshot with him. He, he ended up used Goliath's sword then to completely end, the, end the, the matter. But he was there, you know. And he, um, he simply just... Uh, <clears throat> You think that's the first day that he ever swung that slingshot? You think that's the first time he ever slung that stone? No, I don't think so. So I, I doubt if, you know, so as life takes us through things and we experience things, I think he's conditioning us for more, preparing us, uh, establishing us, helping us. Uh, to a greater understanding of the things that we don't even know that we may have to face yet in life. You know, he didn't know when he fought that bear and he fought that lion and he was out there, you know, as a, as a shepherd boy, that this was preparing him to kill this nine-foot giant and bring back God's glory to his people, you could say, to help establish them. So he was, he, he was there. He was practicing in position. And just to give the... Um, the scenario, like, okay, I've watched football games before. I, you've watched other games. But I'm just going to use the football illustration because I think it helps us to, to uh, get a picture of this. Um, when these two football teams get together, okay, and face off, are they standing there like this? Hmm. What am I supposed to do? Ready or not? No. They are down. They are crouched. I see them on their knees when their hands forward. And when they're ready to put that ball, if that's what it's called, out the back, they all know where they're supposed to run and where they're supposed to go and who they're supposed to tackle. They are ready to move. They're not standing around just waiting. Oh, I wonder how this play is going to go. No. They're ready to roll. And they're ready to take out their opponents. And they're ready to score a touchdown. I guess that's what it's called. Yeah. They're ready to... Score a touchdown. <clears throat> I expose my ignorance here for anybody that knows more, way more about that because I'll use something that I don't li- know so little about. But, yeah, that's, that's the pl- place. So, in the same sense, you know, if, if we are divinely appointed and have the calling and the mind of Christ and stuff in, in that sense, I'm just, so, do we just stand around gazing? God, are you, can you use me or what can I do or? Where are we at? Where am I at? I'm talking to myself. How, how do we find ourselves? I just don't know my lot. I don't know my calling in life. I hope something changes soon. You know, it would never work on a football field. So think about ourselves. Let's, and, and, and just remember the things that we do face and are challenging, like, like David had faced there with the giant, are preparing us for something greater. You know, so 
I just want this to encourage our, our faith and our walk, I guess, you know. <clears throat> um, what's our expectation? See if that's a word. What do we expect? What's our expect? How do you say it? Expectancy? I got expectancy. I had another syllable in there. Expectancy. What, what do we expect out of the game? What do we expect out of life? What do we expect in the kingdom of God? What do we expect in the church, in our jobs, or wherever we may be <clears throat> on, that, on, the, on that level? <clears throat> you know? So, even in his disciples, we know that his, you know, the, the things that his disciples went through and with Paul and with Peter. And I'll, I'll share a few things here yet, I think. Um, you know, he encouraged them to have faith. He encouraged them to believe that all things were possible. Um, even in the most, in the midst of difficulty. Jesus, in Mark 9, verse 23, Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. You know, we should expect God to move and to do things in our lives. Um, it may not feel good. It may, it may be things that are not, you know, um, that are not to our liking, whatever, but it may, see, may also be a way of him increasing our faith and encouraging us. Um, just be committed. Have faith. <clears throat> Again, remember the, remember the position. If you, see, if you ever see a football game, they are down and they are crouched and they are aggressive. And when that ball gets one, two, three, hut, they body slam each other like crazy. That's what I say happens, you know. They just like, boom. And they tried to take everybody out of place so the guy with the ball can keep running. Um, <clears throat> you know, in Dave, or, uh, Jonathan's armor bearer, uh, he was there for him. He was, he was on the forefront. He was making a way to protect, his, to protect Jonathan and was in the midst of that, of that enemy slaughter, <clears throat> you could say. Uh, there was a little illustration given here that I read. A guy by the name of Rich Weaver. I don't know him, but he wrote several books. Um, he wrote a book called God by Divine, in Divine Appointments. And uh, he was used by God in, in many ways. Um, he, was, he was a counselor to our presidents. He give them, they would bring him in to give encouragement and word, uh, a word to them. Uh, a lot of the, the, the big-time athletes, you could say, members of Congress. And uh, it was just amazing. You'd say, how do you ever get to that place in his life, this, this guy, you know, um, with the key leaders, and you could say, that he, was, that he encountered. You know, and the question was asked, how or why can you encounter? How do you, how do you get so many of these appointments, so to speak? And it just was simply that he was there ready, waiting, and in position. When asked, he was ready to go. He, had no, he didn't give excuses when they asked him to come and to share with them or was you know, proposed to him that way. He was, he was ready. And that's how we need to be also. God brings things into our lives or he asks things of us. And uh, are you positioned? Are you ready? Will you say, yes, Lord, I'll go. <clears throat> you know, if we're, not, if we're not in that place, I guess, you know, that um, God wants to bring. God wants to help us. Um, it's not going to work if we just stand around with our head in the clouds and our arms folded and 
waiting if God could ever use me. Um, <clears throat> and you know when them football players take off, when they say go and they putt the ball or whatever it's called, hike the ball, I guess, one, two, three. <sighs> Somebody just recently told me of their son or whatever that was playing and, and uh, that he was into football and finally they, they took him out and they put him into some other sports because of how many times he had gotten hurt and injured. When they say go, you, you know, you know most, most athletes will get hurt or injured at one time or another. Um, if they're in the game constantly, play after play, um, a good athlete will go through re rehabilitation. Um, he'll prob you know, he can break a bone, but the goal is he gets back into that game as soon as possible, too. They try to bring him back. It's the same thing through life. You know? It's not possible to go through life without getting banged up a little, put down, stomped on. You know, not trusted or whatever it may be. Um, you know, just it, it's not. It's just it just that's just not life. You know, to go through it with just absolutely smooth sailing. Trials, they have a way of stealing your passion. They have a way of stealing the joy that you have. You know, when we lose our passion, though, we lose our purpose and our 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 destiny. We lose our our focus on the end goal. We begin to care less about finishing the race as an overcomer. We're not. You know. We're not allowing God to put us in position to win the victory. We, we are hiding in them caves back there. We don't have a sword. I don't have the ammunition. I don't have the resources. I can't do it. Those are all things that, that, that we face. We have a tendency just to settle there and become comfortable. And that's not what God wants us to do, I don't think. He wants us to be more than conquerors. He wants, to be, he wants us to be, I know the word is over, you know, overcome. We must fight. <clears throat> And there again, that's where, where Paul, um, you know, look at Paul. You know, he said, um, he was stoned, he was left for dead, he experienced 39 stripes minus one, he was cast into prison, um, he got banged up pretty good, didn't he? You know, probably more than any of us will ever experience. <clears throat> Yet he continued to, to fight that good fight of faith, he continued the race, he had a, he had a, uh, God had put him in position and, and, and he was there to fulfill that thing and carry it through no matter what the, what the battle may be. So that I might finish the race, he said. <clears throat> Peter is another example that we have, you know, um, he had a good reason. You could say, you could say Peter would have had, would have had, opportunity to sulk and to walk away you know and he did you could say at one point when he faced God when God told him that or when Jesus had told him that he would deny him three times before the before the cock crew and he looked him right in the eyes when he told him that and he realized what he had done he said you know Peter told him never never will I do that and yet he did and when he was faced and looked, looked Jesus in the eyes, what did he do? He went out, it says, and he wept bitterly. You know, he was wounded. Why would he, how, how did he come back from that? He was wounded in his spirit. Obviously, he was wounded deeply. He had no intentions of hurting Jesus that way, you know. Yet we're also all guilty of the stripes. And the things that Jesus had endured. Our sins were. Our sins are, you could say. 
Um, yet we see Peter, when he came forth from that, if we go to the book of Acts, um, in a very powerful way, um, his purpose, he made one play after another, you know. Um, he was used to God. He brought in, the, the, he was of the New Testament church. He was given the keys of the kingdom. His first sermon he preached, there was 3,000 converts, uh, came to Christ, came to accept the faith. He stood up against those religious leaders um, that mocked him. He was cast into prison and the angels came and opened the doors and delivered him out of there. Um, he came to that house, you know, where they were gathered and praying and they doubted that he was there. Um, it, the scriptures even tell us that people were healed by coming in contact with his shadow. He was the first of the disciples. To, he raised someone from the dead. He was used to usher in the Gentile believers into the church. Um, you know, in, in his death, you know how he died? He was also crucified, but he said he's not worthy to be crucified like Christ was, so they hung him upside down on the cross. He was crucified upside down for his testimony of, of faith in his Lord Jesus Christ. He finished his course with faith, with passion, but remember what all he went through. You know, <clears throat> it may be like that for us too. You could say sometimes, sometimes we feel like we're neglected, we're put down, and we're um, uh, just. I don't have any names in mind, but just to give a real life example, I think it happens a lot. A lot of times, um, <clears throat> we get put down or get hurt. You could say like Peter does. And it's, it's because of a power struggle within our lives. A power struggle with someone else. And it happens a lot in the churches. It happens a lot. <clears throat> There's a power struggle. And somebody gets really, really hurt. And instead of letting that make them stronger and waiting on the Lord or whatever, you could say, and come out of it like Peter did, they just will move or they will change or they will walk away from it it could be the same thing in our in marriages in, you know um you know that there's that somebody else gets and it, it, it happens you could say you know you're sensitive to that even as a, when you was in a school teacher and you had people playing sports okay or playing balls some were better than others some got chosen more often than others you know how did the one feel that did not get chosen did not get to play the playing time you know, in today's pro world, they want to use the best of the best, you know. I didn't know, Philip had just shared the other night, but to think about the people that actually enter and start playing baseball, like in high school, and then if they're pretty good, they continue to play baseball in college, and then if they're really good there, they go to double A or whatever, triple A teams, and then they go to double A team, and then they go to, you know, the big league. The people that start out in high school that make it to college is like, I don't know, 3% maybe. And the people that make it out of college to the first step of pro ball is only 1%. And the people that make it out of that to the big time is even less than 1% of the people that try. They don't make it, you know. <clears throat> so, and, and sometimes that's, you know, it's, it's, it's they get, there's lots of things can happen in there in that way. But even in us, so, so my, my point here, I guess, is let's not get 
hurt um, or struggle with the talents and abilities and gifts and things that God puts in each and every one person's life and have a power struggle with it because it can hurt you and it can cripple you. That you do, that you do nothing for, you know, that you, you become not productive for God. You lose your vision. Um, <clears throat> you know, if that happens, let's just continue to serve and to, with the same passion and with the same zeal, uh, you know, remember the day that you said, Lord, I invite you into my life, you know. Remember the zeal <clears throat> that we had and not to get discouraged, disillusioned. But God has something and a place for each and every one of us. <clears throat> Do not allow the wounds and disappointments to take you out of the game that, that we're in. <clears throat> I want to go back and read our position again that we have. <clears throat> 2 Peter 1, 3-4. There might be more there. I should just find it. Okay, I'm just going to read these. Second Peter 1, <clears throat> the first several verses here. He says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. <clears throat> that verse is powerful if we... If we just analyze a little bit and think of what he is offering, what he is giving, what he is um, what he has instilled. Whereby, whereby are given unto us great, exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The divine nature is the, is the mind of Christ that we are allowed to have. And beside this, giving all diligence, <clears throat> here's, here's, a, here's a playbook. Here is a, here is a step by step. You know, go to the right, stop, block, tackle, move, pass. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, temperance, to temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> you can read verse 9. I can read it to you. But he that does not execute, or you know, you could say in these things, but he that lacketh, we're blind. We can't see the end goal. We can't see the vision. And we forget the mercy of God, what all God has done for us. 
that we were purged from our sins. <clears throat> so, I want to close with this verse, Hebrews 12, 12 and 13. Open for testimony and sharing. Prayer request. <clears throat> Just encourage us all. Therefore, he says in Hebrews here, that strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Most athletes, most coaches will want their athletes to work out and to train and to muscle up and to run fast, you know. So, therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Lift them up. You know, praise God and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Those that are overlooked, those that are downtrodden, those that are, you could say sometimes, um, you could say in excluded or left out, um, be there for them. You know, that's what they tried to do with that woman. They went and got the worst and brought her over here. And when she walked away from Jesus, what happened? Did he, did he lift up her hands? Did he strengthen those that are, did he make her knees strong? You know, did he take away the feeble knees? He gave her a straight path to walk. She was no longer lame or accused or condemned. She was healed. So praise God. You know, neither do I condemn thee, but go and sin no more. <clears throat> the woman with the issue of blood, she was healed. She touched the hem of his garment. That's what Christ can do, that does for us. That's what the playbook, the word of God can do for us. And so let's uh, not neglect it. Let's exercise ourselves in those ways. I'm open for sharing our testimony. <clears throat>